I'm Doug. Uh, hello, Karen. Welcome so, to Back on the Block, the Melrose Place podcast. And we are back on the block and knock on air. Um, so far, my computer seems to be complying. So hopefully there's that. It is not a dark and stormy night. No. Oh, it's threatening to storm. Well, we'll get through this without a storm. All right. We'll get through this. Uh, we will get through this podcast. But boy, was it stormy on Melrose Place this week. Ooh, it was. It was dark, too. It was dark. So we're at season three, episode 29, The Framing of the Shrews. Yeah. I actually think it's episode 30. No, I got 29. Where Are you looking at IMDb? Are I wrote looking- it down when I saw it flash up on Hulu. Hmm. The only reason I'm not sure, actually, I think maybe you are right, is because this is, at long last, the episode before the big season finale. No way! The big two-part season finale. Holy shit! Yeah, and and they really did get us closer to getting us ready for those cliffhangers. Wow! Yeah, you know, they really did. I mean, the stories were churning. All the crazy... I was going to say, all the craziness, all the insanity, which is redundant. Um, uh, yeah, and... I was rethinking it a little bit. I was like, you know, we're talking about, you know, I keep saying campy is the word for Melrose, but mm. more than any other time I think in the series right now is when it really just goes there and is just firing in all directions. And it's like, you know what? I'm not even going to try and say like, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. I'm just going to go with it and appreciate the things that are really like hanging out in the limb. I agree with you there. When the episodes have that sort of momentum, I can forgive all the what the fuck isms that sort of happen on Melrose Place. Yes. But I just feel like so many more of the episodes, particularly this season, have missed that momentum. Correct. I mean, I just feel like I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, like, I think back, like, like, honestly, I can't even think back. Like, you always say, oh, can you believe, you know, just, you know, just. 28 episodes ago <laughs> Sid was doing this this and this I'm like oh my god I thought that was like three years ago it's true like they, this, this they is, packed so much in there's just so much stuff oh my god um notable uh, notable absence uh from from the episode I think we should say Jane Ms. Mancini Ms. Mancini was missing but did you notice that before the end of the episode? Because I didn't. Oopsie. No, I actually just thought about it now. I was like, <laughs> I was like, we had Matt. We had Matt. Wait, who wasn't in the episode? Oh, that would be Jane. Yeah, I was like, oh, Jane wasn't in this episode. Eh, oh, well. I know. It's like, did the, did the writers decide that Jane Mancini was just boring? Because she really, apart from, you know, the psycho Aussie guy, and like ever since like her and Michael broke up, they haven't really been giving her much stuff. Well, you can look at it a couple different ways. One is we really didn't need her for any of the Michael or Sydney stuff that was happening. Or you can look at it another way and say, yeah, but how hard is it just to put one of your characters in a scene or two? Um, either way, she comes back in next week's finale, not comes back like she's been away, just away from us, um, with a slightly different attitude that I really like. Ooh, is we, are we getting like saucy Jane? Yeah, we're getting, like, aggressive Jane. Ooh, I like aggressive Jane. I call her Janet. <laughs> I like it. You know, I like it when she has a spine. You know that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, yeah, I feel like we're going to see Jane next week in a light we've never quite seen her in. Well, fan 
fucking tastic. It's about time. Yes. Agreed. Now, how should we go about uh, recapping? Well, I just want to recap. Let's just go through like the storylines, and like I just want to get through Matt's because that was the one that annoyed annoyed me the most. Okay. Um. So, uh, and it makes sense because. Oh, well, we opened up the hospital with Matt, but it's because he's talking about Jake. Um, but uh, we'll get to Jake. We'll get to Jake. Um, but basically, Doctor Jackass, what the hell, Paul, 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 is um, sort of making all these excuses. But when we last left Matt, he was confronted by this psych, uh, this plastic surgeon's wife um, in his office, and and she was basically like, "Leave my husband alone." And this is the plastic surgeon that's been coming on to Matt, and they're having like a thing. But he, it turns out, he's married and he's closeted. So, um, why does Matt keep falling for this guy's lies? I know. Why? What is it, Matt? That no doesn't mean no. Come on. I mean, because Matt keeps saying we're just going to be friends. I will support also, you as you come out. Like, he's, don't even be friends with this guy. Yeah, like don't even be friends. Don't support him when he comes out. Just, like, like, leave him be. Let yeah. him figure his own shit. He's hurting you. Yeah, he's lied to you. Again and again and again. Yeah. But see, and this is where it's frustrating, because I can't figure out what the end game is here, okay? So he basically tells Matt, the doctor tells Matt that he, his, he had a heart-to-heart with his wife, and he, I don't know, I guess he explained to her he likes boys better. I have no idea. Like, it was just this whole thing where he was basically said, he's leaving his wife for Matt. That was sort of the gist of it. And so he asked Matt to go to his house and help him move. And he's like, well, wait outside by your car. And, and that, because, you know, if you come in, she'll get really upset and we don't want to deal with that. So just wait on the sidewalk by your car and I'll come to you. Well, Matt's out there like a like like a like a fool for an hour. Yeah, Chump City. Yeah, Chump City. And meanwhile, Doctor Crazy Plastic Surgeon Dude and his wife are like gossiping in the in the house about Matt. And the doc- well, they're they're acting like Matt is a threat, like Matt is a stalker, like, like Matt's Matt a stalker. Insane. Yeah. And and so I'm trying to figure out like what is this guy doing? Like, are they setting Matt up? Like, what is this? Well, I I so want you to get the most out of this storyline and for any listeners that don't know where it's going, I will I will reserve statement now. Okay, I this behavior is going to go somewhere, I, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Because it's like infuriating and I'm kind of like, "Matt, what did you do to make these people hate you so much that they're going to like pull this ruse on you?" Right. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like they're playing him. Yes. I... Yes. (laughs) You're, like, trying to say it but not say it. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it has a... I I think the payoff is good. Okay. All right. So, anyway... um... So Matt confronts him afterwards about, you know, basically standing on the sidewalk for an hour... And, um, and the doctor lies to him. The doctor feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. He, the doctor feel bad. And I think that's basically it. Like the doctor lies again, like, oh, she was sobbing. She was crying. She was inconsolable. I couldn't leave then. Like, I'm like, Matt, what are you doing? Go run, 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 run back to Melrose place. It's safer there. 
Right, run to Rhonda's. She's oh probably God, not far. Run to Rhonda's. Yeah, she should have a safe house. I know he needs Rhonda really bad right now. Yeah. Yes, he does. So and- does this sort itself by the by next episode by season finale? Or are we still going to be like? Am I still going to be yelling at the TV? Well, this will carry into season four, and you may yell at the TV. Okay, great. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I know you guys are listening to us talk about the episode, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But I feel like I know where this stuff is going. You don't. And we're not just talking about, like, the season finale is waiting. We're talking about, like, what I think the high point of the entire series is is right ahead of us. Okay. Okay, so I will wait. Yes, not for long. I will wait. Okay, moving on. Who should we talk about next? I mean, I guess Allison, because she's in Hong Kong. Yeah, let's talk about Allison and also pay a little bit of attention to the time warp, which I think might actually be accurate for once. Because of the time zone difference in Hong yeah. Kong? Yeah. So this yeah. whole time, it's like Melrose Place has been operating on Hong Kong time. Oh, finally we understand what's been now going on. Now it makes sense. Now I get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Allison's in Hong Kong, and she's got this, like, nice decorated suite with this amazing view. And and she's, like, in charge of all of these people. And it's like, what does she do again? <laughs> Yeah, um, she's... What is it? I don't even know. She's, like, head of marketing, but yeah, it's, like... Thing. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's, like, a big manufacturing thing. I mean, I guess it's just a I job where she goes that. to an office. Yeah, I don't know how Brooke's dad has all his money in the first place. I don't really know what his endeavors are. But this, like, Hong Kong Girl Friday is, like, welcoming Allison. And she's, like, oh, we've been waiting a long time to have someone as talented as you to come and lead all of us it's like if i were this woman to be like who are you bitch who came in from the states and took this big job in this big office well uh, also i mean let's face it they were waiting a long time for allison well i mean she does have, she does have that advertising award she does have that advertising award but it's gowns and imagine mabel to her credit so she's but she is a terrible employee yeah, with what would have to be a, a pretty bad, you know, HR file. Um, yeah. So Allison is is going to lead the Hong Kong branch of Armstrong Enterprises. I don't know. But so she comes to work. So what? This is what I think happened. Allison was on a red-eye flight or like a really long overnight flight from L.A. to Hong Kong the same night that Jake was shot at shooters that makes sense so the next day it is the morning and we'll get back to this but like this is where the episode begins where everyone who is not in hong kong is in the hospital um waiting to hear about jake afterwards billy and is back at work and towards the end of the work day is when it is the beginning of Allison's workday because Hong Kong is like 15 hours ahead. Right. So she flew into Hong Kong, had a day to whatever she did, and then got there late that next night, their time, basically had enough time to go into whatever housing they've found for her 
get some sleep, and then wake up and go into and work. And wake up and go to work. Okay. Most of this stuff with Jake was probably happening while she was on flight. Okay. That sounds good. I mean, it sounds good. I don't know yeah. the time zone differences or anything, but it sounds great. And it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. What yeah, matters matter. is that note that Allison gave Brooke to give to Billy, Brooke crumpled and threw on the floor of her car, didn't throw it out, though, brings it to D&D with her, where she is the only one who's basically not holding vigil for Jake, um, reads it, laughs at it, shreds it, and then types a new letter, pretending it's from Allison, gives it to Billy. And it's the impersonality of it being typed and not even handwritten that probably really stings with Billy. Yeah. And it was just a very curt sort of, thank you for being a friend. Yeah, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. I'm going to Hong Kong and I'm going to be fabulous. Yeah. So it's, and I, yeah. And, and the real note was, yes, I think you're my soulmate and the love of my life and I want us to give it a shot, blah, blah, blah. And he'll, he'll never see those words. No, he has no idea. Um, meanwhile... Allison is, like, trying to get in touch with Billy. Yeah. She's making some phone calls. Um, and she calls, uh, she calls D&D. And right as Brooke and Billy are leaving. And Saigon. I, I thought that was a nice touch. I did, too. Also, because this was the spring of 95, which was when I actually did see Miss Saigon. Oh, how funny. Um, so basically Brooke is talking Billy out of taking the call, you know, oh, we've got to go. We've got these theater tickets. We're going to be late. And by now he's already seen this fake letter. So he's like, I'm over you, Allison. Yeah. He, he wants really nothing to do with her. And so, you know, eventually I guess Brooke calls Allison, I guess the next day after Miss Saigon. I think it's the next day. Yeah. And, and- Oh, it's so great to hear from you. My best friend. Yeah. And did Billy read the letter? And she's like, and Brooke's like, oh, he read the letter. All right. And, um, and it wasn't the response that Allison was hoping for because Billy didn't read her letter. No. No. So basically Brooke lies to her again. Brooke is queen saboteur. Yes, she is. Boy, she is definitely playing Allison like a fiddle. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and her end game is Billy. I mean, come on. Uh, (laughs) Then we have what what struck me as like a very fitting date with Billy because it involved playing what, like air hockey? Yes. Yes. They were back on the, on the pier playing some air hockey. And, um, but this is, I think before, but just, I think this is just after, um, Billy and, and, uh, Brooker in bed. And Allison calls at like two o'clock in the morning. And she's like, I'm sorry, we just keep missing each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and it basically like, and he's very curt to her and she, and she, cause you know, she doesn't know. And that sort of like drives it home. They're, they're over. Right. They're over. And then they go playing air hockey at an arcade and Billy's so stupid. So fucking stupid. If, so stupid. I mean, you know, so Brooke is, like, teasing him. If I win this game, we get married. Well, guess what? He sucks at air hockey. And she wins. And she wins. And then she's like, we were just kidding. I'm not going to hold you to it. And he's like, you know what? I think we should get married. Brooke, will you marry me? That, listeners, is exactly how he sounds. Yeah, pretty much. And it was super lame. Yeah. I mean, does this guy just want to be married? Um, yeah, I think he thinks he's always doing the right thing and 
marriage to him is like logical, I guess. Because it's like it seems like everybody he dates, he ends up he's gonna marry them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And why does Brooke want to marry him so quickly? I don't know. It's she doesn't marry up by snagging Billy. Certainly so. not. And the thing is, like, she it was it was weird because it was like when she stepped into this role, it was like she had a sole purpose. And that was to snare and snare Billy. And I don't understand right. where that came from. Well, it doesn't. Again, this is one of those things where if we actually try and parse out the how and the why, it doesn't really make sense. It's just not going to make sense. How right. much insight did she ever have into D&D? Like, yeah, why would she have known this? And why would you have specifically targeted Billy out of everyone in LA? doesn't really make sense. Right. Like, why is she sabotaging Allison, too? Right. I mean, because, you know, from the beginning, it looked like, that that first meeting, she was sort of, you know, kind of set Allison up, uh, Al- yeah, set Allison up to like win this award. Like she was the purpose, she was the reason why Allison won. Let's face in it. In fact, the way they introduce Brooke in true soap opera fashion, when an outsider like that comes in, they have an ulterior motive, but it's usually connected to an existing character on the campus. Like, right. Like, I am your uh, past love, and I got, like, I got plastic surgery. Right. Or, like, the long-lost sibling. Or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You were, you're, like, you were married to my brother, or whatever it was. Um, but this is just, she comes in out of the blue, does not have any ties to anyone, and is just moving all the chairs around. Um, however, when other people come and join the show later on, it is more like, yeah, I do have a tie, and eventually all will be revealed. Oh, so there's more to come. It's not going to be one of those things where they lead us down this garden path and you're just like, what is going on? And they never tell you. With other people. Yeah, not with Brooke, but with other people. But but they, but we'll understand Brooke? Um, no. No, oh. we, don't get more, we don't get more insight into Brooke. The, the, the storyline just goes further and further afoot. Oh, okay. Well, it's a little but disappointing. But the long and the short of it is Billy and Brooke are engaged and there's going to be a wedding next week. Right, because that's when Kimberly has to blow everything up. Right. So the Kimberly stuff is completely separate from this wedding, but both will happen next week. So wait, they get married that quickly? Yeah, because it's TV and they just move this shit along. Right, like why wait? We need a big grand finale and what's better than that than a wedding? Yeah, a wedding, yeah. Okay. So, so, okay, let's tease it out. Now they're engaged. Will Allison find out about the engagement? How will she find out? Will she make it back to Melrose Place? I mean, spoiler alert, she's going to end up back in L.A. in time for the bombing. But (laughs) how does she get on a plane that quickly? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And if if you hadn't been for a while, and I know you haven't been, you might get back on the I feel bad for Allison train. I know I did. And I will again. I'm not getting on that train yet. All right, we'll see. We'll see if that changes, you heartless woman. I know. I'm. I'm cold. I'm a cold-hearted snake. That's right, Paul Abdul. That's right. So, okay. Do we want to talk Jake now? Do we want to talk the Amanda Michael? Let's go with Jake because Amanda Michael was and and Kimberly was really actually kind of great. And we'll save it okay. for last. So Jake was shot last week. Okay, Jake survived. There. He didn't die, guys. Brought us, I brought us in. Um, so we've got everyone, like we said, holding vigil in the hospital, except for Jane and except for Brooke. Um, <laughs> Sid is there. 
Why uh, wasn't Jane there? That makes no sense. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. If everyone else got there. Where was Jane? I mean she had a thing with Jake. It was like a hot minute, but they were tight. You know, I wish I had like some contact who could be like, uh, yeah, we had scenes with Jane, but Josie Bissett was sick that day, that week, whatever. No. <laughs> you could just be like, oh man, we just forgot about her. Like <laughs> Right, but if you forget about any of them, that's who it would be. They're like, yeah, I know, we just totally forgot about her and didn't put her on the call schedule. You know, like, it's not even like they write it in, where they're like, we knocked on Jane's door and there was no answer. It's like, oh, we just forgot. Yeah, we just completely forgot to ask her. We forgot about her call time. Yeah, so no Jane. Everybody but Jane. And so, you know, the doctor comes out, and it's dire, and he's in ICU, and is he going to make it? We're not sure. And then, you know, Joe says to the doctor, like, I want to see Jake. I, I want to go see him. And the doctor is like, only one person. He only wants one person. And that's Amanda. Amanda. In case you forgot that Jake and Amanda ever knew each other, which you might have, because so much time has gone by. Um yeah, Matt's like, Amanda, Jake asked for you. Yeah. So, um, and Joe looks pretty shell-shocked by the whole thing. Um, and so does Sid, if I remember correctly. Sid does. Yeah, that kind of took the wind right out of her sails there. Um, and so, Amanda is, like, holding Jake's hand in the hospital bed, and she's actually being a really good friend, I have to say. And and he's for somebody who just got shot in the chest, doing pretty good and seems pretty right. alert. Yeah. And he kept saying, like, it's Jess. He did this to me. If something happens to me, you have to avenge avenge my death, like basically. And and he tells Amanda she's the only person that he can trust. And and he's kinda not wrong. That's the thing. When he says that I'm like, and he's right. With the exception of Sid, but Sid's always out for Sid, too. The, so. thing is, the thing is, Jake can trust Sid, but the fact that no one else can trust Sid will nullify whatever he tells her. That is true. But, I mean, if anybody hates Jess, it's Sid. Like, Sid has seen through his Sid bullshit since day one. Exactly. Joe could not, but Sid could. Right. So, um... And that leads us to when Joe gets, when Jake gets out of surgery, Amanda is with him, and Sid walks in, and... And I guess the doctor, again, is kicking people out. Only one person can be there. And, and Sid, like, starts to, like, take her coat off, sits on the bed. And he's like, oh, Oops, no, right. not you. Amanda's staying. Amanda, like, even, she's like, all right, I guess I'll go. I know. And he was like, no, no, Sid, you're out. It was so sad. It's one of those where I'm like, I see both sides here. I feel bad for you, Sid, but you don't do anyone any favors. Well, although, you know, I will say then Sid goes to shooters and I guess she's got her job back now. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah. And when she gets there, Jess is there. Jess, who has been fired from Jake's life, is is there, yeah. Behind the bar, like, putting out olives and shit. Yeah, he's like, yeah, well, we had to make money tonight, so someone had to help take over. Right, so he's sort of coming in as, like, this knight, right? Like, he's gonna, yeah. like, like his brother's in this hospital bed. I mean, he's the reason why, but, you know, we don't know that right now. Um, and, and he's going to sort of, like, fix everything to keep the business going and keep people employed and keep... You know, Jake bringing in the box and, you know, and, and Sid is just not trusting any of it. 
Not wrong, again. Not wrong. And she tries to kick him out. And then he, like, has this sort of, like, you know, you don't want to cross me sort of moment. I don't remember exactly what happened there. But there was sort of, like, a moment where he was sort of a, a little bit extra stern with her. Yeah, but nothing really comes of it beyond that. We just right. sort of along. Yeah. Right. But, you know, anyway. Whatever. Jess um, is... Right. So, so Sid is, I mean, Sid, Sid has got some, she's got the mojo there with that guy. She, she knows his deal and it's too bad. Nobody will listen to her for, for basically everyone's sake. Yeah. Yes. So then eventually Joe comes around. Yes. And, um, and with Jess, is this the, cause Joe comes around a couple times to see Jake. And I think the first time she goes with Jess and Jess brings a pile of money that she... Well, I was going to say, Joe and Jess come, and this is now the day after Jess has right. been at the bar, um, proving, like, look what I did. I, I helped keep shooters afloat. And that's also when Joe's like, doesn't she defend Jess and say, like, no, he was with me? Yep, she gives him the alibi. And, I mean, of course we know he didn't actually yeah, shoot like, him. Yeah, it's like someone else was in the bar and shot Jake. Like, we know that. It doesn't matter where Jess was at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need an alibi. So Jake's still not having any of it. I mean, he basically kicks them out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we hit, go back to Shooters now, Jess is still running the show at Shooters, and the gunman shows up. The What did I call him? Richard Ramirez? Oh, I don't the know. The serial killer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he wants the rest of his money. I guess I guess when you order a hit, you pay half up front, half I upon guess completion. There's an installment, yeah. Yeah. And Jess won't pl- pay him because obviously the job wasn't complete. Jake is still alive. Yeah, Jess paid that guy to kill him. And it looks like this guy is going to, like, muscle, you know, use his muscle and fuck Jess up. Oh, that he would. Oh, that he would. But did what happened? Did Jess get the better of him? They they beat Jess up, right? They punch him a few times, and then he sort of gets the upper hand, and that's kind of like that. They disperse. Yeah, I kind of that that's a little fuzzy. Um, that moment was a little fuzzy. Um, da, 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 then what happens? Then what happens? Oh, that's when while while Jess is getting his ass whooped at the bar, um, Joe shows up to Jake's hospital room with flowers, and. Oh, but we missed the part. We missed the part where um, in the in Joe's apartment, uh, Jess gives her a brooch, a brooch. Oh, yeah. A, a pen, an ugly ass pen. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, I wonder if he got it the same place where Billy got that, <laughs> what, that engagement ring off the street, that dirty engagement ring. <laughs> it's like this little plastic pink thing that goes with nothing that Joe wears, but of course she puts it on right away. It would have been good with her frumpy outfit. The frumpy outfit. But so she shows up to Jake's hospital room with flowers and the pin in the middle of like her chest. And Jake is like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And she's like, well, Jess gave it to me. And he's like, no, that's mine. I gave it to my mom for her birthday. (laughs) Yeah, you knew the mom was going to come into this. Right. And so basically, you know, he kicks Joe out. He's done with Joe. And again, Jake has made mistakes, but I don't blame him right now. Yeah, you know, Joe just needs to go back to New York. 
if there was anyone Joe could have stayed away from, it was Jess. Yeah, I mean, this was just a bad idea. I mean, Reed was a bad idea, but she was on the rebound there, you know. Um, Reed didn't hurt anyone but her, technically. Right. And badly, but but it wasn't like, you know, she had dated Reed's brother and now was dating Reed. Right. It was just a bad choice. Joe made a really bad choice. Yeah, you're right, though. Send her back to New York. Yeah, she needs to go back to New York and figure her shit out. Yeah. Uh, I Yes. Um, so I am curious to hear your thoughts on the next episode with this storyline as well. I am kind of curious to see what happens with um, with Jess, because right now he's, like, bad... But, I mean, you keep saying, like, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. So I'm sort of curious to see how far this is going to go. How bad does he get? He's the worst. He is the worst. Unredeemably the worst. Because, I mean, we've got Kimberly blowing up Melrose Place. It's totally, it's apples and pears. Totally different. Okay. All right. All right. And is he going to be continuing on through the next season? Or are are, are we getting the full effect next episode? Um, I would say the biggest ramifications are really next next episode. Oh, good. So I don't have to wait that much longer. No. <gasps> Exciting. He's not a very good actor, too. Can I just say that? There is, there is, there is that. <laughs> I just am like, I just want you to get off the show because you're not a very good actor. MTV DJs, not necessarily the best actors. No, I don't think anyone would argue. I mean, they might be great personalities for, like, you know, talking to rock stars or, like, introducing videos or talking about music history. But, you know, acting, mm, not this guy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think so. All not right. The worst, not the worst the show has had, but... Getting close. Not great. I mean, yeah. he's kind of Billy Campbell-ish in, like, a bad boy sort of way. He's, like, but- a bad boy Billy. It's like, yeah, if, if they pushed Andrew Shue to play, like, a heavy, then we could have seen how really worse he could get. And that's kind of what we get a, a, a sneak preview of with Dan Cortese. And I hate to say this, but the dude's facial hair is making me friggin' nuts. He's got to go to you without a stash. It's Soundgarden three years too late. And the, between, between the grunge hair and the, the goatee, it's like, yeah. But nope, where did the mustache go? I don't remember any of the grungies having a goatee without a mustache. Um, I feel like, yes, we had soul patchy, chin puby stuff happening. A soul in patch the, is different than a goatee, In the 90s, I think that's when, like, grunge was done, though. Yeah, you we were have, in post-grunge oh, at this point. You wouldn't have had both at the same time, I don't think. Well, we were we were in post grunge, which was still hanging on to the remnants of grunge. More with the men on the show than with the women, though. The women are now like very like preppy. Well, they're working the power suits. Yeah, clean cut, monochromatic, all that. Yeah. So wait, can we go? Where were we in t- in the timeline when Sex in the City showed up? Is there an uh, overlap yet? No, there's very little overlap. The series is in its like final season. But after when Melrose, uh, excuse me, when Sex in the City begins. Okay, because I kind of feel like with the costuming, with the women at least, 
we are moving into that sex in the city with the exception of like Joe's costumes. Um, we're, we're moving into that sort of like sex in the city couture-ish direction. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think we see that most like when it's Heather Locklear, Lisa Rinna and Jamie Lunar on the show. Mm. See, I'm just kind of wondering, I'm going to have to do some Googling and I just want to sort of see if there are any story. I mean, I might not find anything because it was so long ago, but like any stories out there that were done about like Melrose Place's impact on the world of fashion. Only, I think, in relation to Heather Locklear and the short skirts, which didn't last as long as you would think they did. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like yeah, if we're talking about fashion and, like, iconography, yeah, that's basically, like, the only real contribution. Right. Well, it certainly wasn't going to be Joe's outfits. <laughs> no. Good lord. Okay, moving on. So, speaking of Amanda. And short skirts. Um, so we've seen Amanda in the hospital with Jake. And then I th- is the next time we see her when she's in her office and she gets a special visitor? Um, 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 I mean, outside of the hospital. Uh, going through the notes after yeah I'm going through the notes yeah no but right before okay right before we see Kimberly and I know we need to talk about Amanda but let's see this with Kimberly really quickly Kimberly is at the hospital she goes into that break room or whatever that doctor's room where they have their lockers okay yes she opens the locker best use of the wig in a really long time since they ripped it off her head um she's got she opens her locker there's a, a, a dummy head, like a hairdresser head, you know, like a hairstylist dummy head in her locker with the wig on it and a knife through the skull. And then it says something underneath it, like, did you forget about me or something like that? Or don't forget. It was hilarious. Yes. Yes. And so, of course, she reacts to this and makes sure there are people in the break room to see it. And then Guy Smiley walks in. Yeah, and that would be Michael. And basically, you know, she's like, Michael's stalking me. He did this, he did this, he did this. And Michael's like, what? I've been in surgery since 9 9 p.m. I don't know what you're talking about. And everybody kind of doesn't believe him. So they walk out, and the best part of it is uh, Kimberly takes the knife out of the head and goes over to the phone and stabs at the phone to call Amanda. So she's like using the knife to dial Amanda's number, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoyed that. And so basically, you know, she tells Amanda what Michael just did, and he's crazy, and he's stocky, and Amanda agrees, and Amanda's like, we need to join forces. Oh, Amanda. She's so much smarter than this. She she essentially is, like, lobotomized for the last half of the season. Um, Yeah. Yes. Well, it's just like, why, Amanda? Why are you falling for this? So now she's, you know, so Amanda says, we're going to join forces. So they make a plan. They're going to meet up for drinks at some bar, not shooters, um, and have dinner. And they're going to, like, you know, set their plan in motion. They're going to come up with a plan um, to deal with Michael. And so Amanda's leaving D&D, and it's late. And she's the last one out because she's not like Allison. She actually stays late. 
And um, <laughs> she goes down to the parking garage to get her car. And that's when she hears the pitter-patter of footsteps behind her. And we see the footsteps. We see the, the, the suit pants and the shoes behind her. We can't see who they're attached to. And she keeps, she hears it, she stops, she turns back, she walks forward, she stops again. She, um, she runs or moves really quickly to get to her car. She's like, Michael, cut the shit. I know it's you. And like, whoever it is just is not showing themselves. No. Uh, and I will stop to, to say I was excited to finally see the parking garage at D&D. Really one of those like deep dives inside like the, 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 the where do they park question yeah exactly <laughs> um and so by the time amanda rushes to her car the you know she's got that sporty little red convertible um the words die bitch have been spray painted yes, along the driver's side die bitch die bitch and so she gets in her car and she hightails it right the hell out of that parking garage can't blame her and oh, that's when we oh. cut away and we see who is wearing the men's suit and shoes. And it's Kimberly. Spoiler alert, it's not a man. Spoiler alert, it's not Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's definitely not Michael. It's Kimberly. Kimberly is pretending to be Michael stalking Amanda. Queen of disguise. Yes. Yes. So Amanda, of course, heads straight to the bar because after all that shit, girl needs a drink. Yes, very unnerved and rightly so. Right. And Kimberly is late because she was busy stalking Amanda in men's yeah, clothes. To change out of her Mr. Cellophane outfit, yeah. Right. And Amanda is, you know, freaking out and tells Kimberly all about the garage. And Kimberly has to look surprised like she didn't know yeah. about it. Um, and uh, and basically now they're going to plot to... to, to plot michael's demise basically yeah kimberly has succeeded in getting amanda on her side to take michael down yeah and she, and, and kimberly said something weird about how like you know michael is people have always been covering for michael i don't remember anybody covering for michael no michael's been getting in trouble left and right yeah i mean nobody's been covering for michael he's just able to get himself out of this shit yeah and sometimes with sid's help well true yes so um, I guess emboldened by the alcohol and, and dinner and Kimberly, Amanda goes to the beach house and confronts Michael about his car. Right. About she's, car. Got, she's now by now got an estimate for the repairs to the car. And she's like, cut the crap. You're going to pay me for this. Um, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do it. Right. And he's like, I was in surgery until midnight, basically. And she was like, you know, which is something she could easily find out, but she doesn't even bother trying to check. She's just like, nope, nope, nope. Give me, you know, you, you owe me money. Yeah. Also, please stop stalking me. Please. Yeah. And stop stalking yeah. me. Um, so she confronts Michael and then, oh, so now Kimberly is stalking Michael now watching the house. And Michael goes out for his jog on the beach, I guess like he always does, but we've just never seen this before. Yeah, I guess he did his 20-minute jog at, at night, yeah. Right, right. And so she's sort of like, oh, you know, it's about, like clockwork, I think she said. And then she enters the beach house, and she basically trashes the place. Yeah, the, she trashes the place first, yes. Yeah, she trashes the place first, and then she sees it's Michael. some nice art. 
I know, but she shoved she shoved some pieces in her purse. Did you see that? Yeah. I guess the stuff she wanted to keep. So she sees Michael like sort of like you know huffing it up the beach on his way back, and that's when she calls nine one one and she says that you know she's at her house and her husband or ex husband what have you is basically beating her up. Yeah. And then she gives herself the bruises to prove it. Yes. She smacks herself around. And when Michael comes in, he's like, what are you doing? You're insane. And he like, I don't know if he, and she like grabs him and they start like wrestling on the floor. So of course the cops walk in and it looks like Michael is beating the shit out of her. It looks, it looks bad for Michael. It looks so bad. And basically he's like, but I didn't do anything. I've been running and oh no. He's going to jail, and the next time we see Michael, it's in front of a courthouse. It's in the courthouse, and he's wearing an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. He's in trouble. Yeah. And what his bail is like, his bail is $200,000. $200,000. $200,000. Yeah, so he can't post bond. No. As of right now, at the end of this episode, it basically looks like Kimberly has won. Yes, it does. You know what? You know what this reminded me of? Um, and it's not the last time I will mention this episode tonight, this show tonight. Twin Peaks, because one of the. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Okay, Twin Peaks was, you know, they were trying to solve who killed Laura Palmer. Right. And they kept bringing in. One of the main characters, like the like one of the key businessmen in town, um, played by Richard Boehmer from West Side Story, the movie, um, and they kept bringing him in, and he kept proving that he wasn't guilty of killing Laura Palmer, while at the same time was doing all of these other nefarious deeds around town that they never like sought to get him on. So Michael's been doing all these horrible things, and basically getting away with it. And now here he is on, like, the one thing he's actually not guilty of, and that's what gets him in the That's what he's going to be in trouble for. Well, you know, at least he's going to be in jail because Kimberly has basically lost her mind. Oh, yes. And this is what I mean when I was talking about how this show just goes balls to the wall. Um, Yeah, you would think, oh, they end the episode with Michael, like, shouting as they cart him away. No. No, there's more. No, 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 they did not. Because Kimberly goes back to her motel room. And, and she, she takes off her injuries. And, she, yeah, and she, yeah, she winces as she removes yeah, the, the scarring on her face. Um, standing in front of her little bathroom, not even bathroom, outside the bathroom mirror. And when Kimberly looks in the mirror, it's not her face that she sees. It's some dudes. Who so, is this guy? man who is he well we don't know anything about him yet this is okay so we don't because i'm like because i'm like okay so she's clearly like this is the idea that they're trying to get across is like you know the voices inside my head she's like a split personality or whatever she she's got some issues here right she's she's got some mental illness going on right without doing any actual like consultation with the american psychiatric association they're doing all sorts of like oh my god kimberly is insane how far can we take this right and so it's like this sort of like like, (laughs) this head floating around in this mirror of like this sinister looking guy 
And, but, but I'm, and I'm going, okay, well, if this is a thing, like, wouldn't it be somebody that she knows that's sort of like, like, right. so there will be more information about who this figure is to come. But in the meantime, the focus is Kimberly is absolutely crazy. And what will happen next? She's bonkers. And yeah. she keeps They're sort really of going, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And then you've got to wonder too. This was the other thing that I was wondering because she was like, sort of like looking in the mirror going, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And I was like, well, okee. So if she, if they're going with the split personality thing and she's been like, like, does she even know what she's been doing with like, with Amanda and Michael and you know, like all of them. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or is she, or, you know, is she truly an innocent and it's this, this disembodied head that's telling her, you know what I mean? Like the sort of taking over. Right. It ends up, it's sort of like somewhere in between where like Kimberly is like sort of aware of what she's doing, but they are basically saying it is this other person that is like creating all of her psychosis. So, and they will like keep doing this like fuzzy, like psychobabble anytime they need to sort of redeem Kimberly. Okay. For what's to come. It doesn't really make sense. It's certainly not like psychologically plausible, but what it is, is reminiscent of uh, Twin Peaks also because the killer turned out to be a spirit named Bob that would inhabit these other people in Twin Peaks. And if they looked in the mirror, you would see Bob's reflection, not their own reflection. So it's sort of like poaching from that here. Mm. The I, most important Twin Peaks thing... was, bef- was before this, right? That was before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, that was such so a good, that was such all a good show. Is Kimberly is in all senses of the word crazy and capable of anything. And that will take us into uh, next week. But I, but I will say this, I did remember reading this at the time and it could have been in one of my like Melrose confidential books that the writers really just were having so much fun and trying to see how far they could push Kimberly being crazy. They were, they actually thought about having her like jump up and down on the freeway and cause an earthquake at one point, just to be like, what, what can, Kimberly, what can her wrath create? Yeah, but now they're moving into charm territory there with the supernatural. They are a little bit, and um, they'll back off from it, I think, a little bit, because they're mostly just going to make it about her being um, what's the word that I want? Like, certifiably crazy. Right. Um, That will happen more, I think, starting next week. Okay. So we have we have some questions. What is going to happen with Allison and this wedding? What is going to happen with the Jake Jess Joe triangle? What is going to happen with Michael in jail? And what is what can Kimberly possibly do next? And where's Jane? Actually, that's a question neither of us asked until long after. <laughs> <laughs> and what about poor Matt? Oh, and that was the other thing. Yes, what lies ahead for poor Matt? For yeah, poor absolutely. Matt. So, so if any of you guys are watching along with us as you listen, um, let us know what you are thinking, whether it's like you're revisiting it and don't remember or are now watching it for the first time. Please do let us know what you think. Because even though by its own like crazy, now dated set of rules, I think the show is awesome sauce. So yeah, hit us up on the Evil Evil Facebook um, where we're back on the block pod and let us know what you think. Yeah, please do. And please come back next week 
Um, next week, I also think, because it's a two-part finale, will just be a full back-on-the-block episode. Yeah, no Hollywood Boulevard next week. We'll have a lot to get through. That That's the truth. Yeah. So until then, um, we do have some uh, some Hollywood Boulevarding going on tonight, though. Right. So uh, jump in your sporty red convertible with die bitch on the side and <laughs> hang out with us over there. See you there. <laughs>